All right, we're glad you're here this morning. As the kids leave, uh, you can take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 if you want. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen here. If you bring that up, who can identify this piece of pop culture? Everybody know what that is? Who does not know what those are? Pez dispensers, all right? Everybody know that? Know what generation you are in, you would know what that is. Hey, so let me give you some uh, information about Pez candy, all right? Pez started back in, in the 1920s. It was just like regular candy, and uh, it was a uh, peppermint candy. In fact, the name Pez is from uh, uh, the Austrian name for peppermint. Took the first letter, the last letter, and the E from the middle and made the word Pez out of it for their candies. In 1940s, late 1940s, they began the Pez dispensers, all right? And the dispenser was invented for two reasons. Some of you will appreciate this. Uh, number one reason why they invented the, the Pez dispenser, sanitary purposes. Like when someone offers you a piece of candy out of a tin box and you kind of rifle through there and pick one out, well, they, they fix that problem by just, <laughs> the Pez dispenser just shoots one out at you. So you get one, you can't ruffle through that. Leslie Simmons would appreciate that. And uh, we used to have some guys who used to hand out candy out of their pocket years ago. That's not very uh, sanitary, but this is better. You can just you know, shoot it out of a piece of candy, all right? So that's why it was invented. The second one is very strange. Um, the first Pez dispenser looked like didn't have a, a you know a cute little head on it like that. It looked like a cigarette lighter. And it was an anti-smoking device. And so their slogan was, in not in our language, but no smoking, pezzing allowed. Never really caught on, obviously. <laughs> I can't even see why. No smoking, pezzing allowed. And so the idea was they're trying to get people to stop smoking, and so people were eating candies, and so the advertisement was literally, if you look it up, was a, a man with a cigarette lighter sticking a piece of candy out to a lady as a treat, all right? So that was, the, that was the slogan. That was the reason. It was a sanitary thing and also to help people stop smoking, all right? So no Mickey Mouse head. It was just a cigarette lighter. The, the Pez dispenser holds seven U.S. patents, all right? So there's seven patents on that little piece of plastic that you see there, seven different patents, over three billion Pez candies are consumed every year. Three billion. The most viable Pez dispenser currently, according to Wikipedia, which is always accurate, <laughs> is a political donkey. So it's a donkey head. It was owned by President Kennedy and is worth $13,000 for a piece of plastic Pez dispenser, all right? And so hopefully by now you're thinking, why are we talking about Pez dispensers, all right? And I hope you're thinking that way. I hope you're engaged now, and that's why I did it, just to kind of get you engaged. Or if you're ever on Jeopardy, you'll have the answer to the question, all right? So you'll know that, all right? So those two reasons we did it this morning. So the Pez dispenser, the, the, the main thing about the Pez dispenser, and it's all about that as far as the patent, is that you shoot one candy out and another one comes up in this place. And there's always a supply of candy. As long as you keep replenishing the supply, you'll never run out. And there's always another piece of candy in the dispenser, right? You gotta re but you have to resupply that. Uh, the Pez dispenser, when it first began, held 12 candies. And it still holds 12 candies. That hasn't changed. So 12 candies in a Pez dispenser. And so the noble thing is that you always you take a candy, another candy pops out in its place. So this morning, I want to challenge you with this thought. And I want you to think about this this morning. I'm going to challenge us and challenge you to be a grace dispenser. A grace 
dispenser. The idea that we have grace to dispense, and if we do it right, how you can always have a little more grace for those around you and a little more grace for yourself and be a grace dispenser. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and I'll give you a verse in the Bible we'll begin. Heavenly Father, as we calm our hearts now and look to you, we ask that you would speak through your word to our hearts. And Father, I pray that you would challenge us to be different this week because of what we see in your word. And Lord, I pray that whatever the need is this morning in this congregation for every individual, that your word would meet that need. Father, there may be here some here today that do not even know you in a very personal way as Savior. And Father, I pray that they would understand their need for salvation this morning. And for those who have trusted you as Savior already and had that relationship, may we grow together and be able to be the grace uh, givers that we need to be in our community, in our house, in our life. In your precious name we pray. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, look at verse number 10 just to begin. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. The Bible says this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Look at what the Bible says here. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You, according to this verse, uh, are a steward of a manifold grace of God. The word manifold meaning wide-ranging, various. You know, grace is hard to define. It's hard to come up with a, a good definition. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, we talk about that. Really, the most simple definition is uh, God's undeserved favor in our life. We don't deserve it. God just gives it. It began back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, and God did not, uh, God showed mercy and did not kill them right then and there. Instead, he killed an animal, covered their sins, and provided again from that time a way for their sins to be covered for all time through Jesus Christ. And so God's grace began back then and continues today is God's undeserved favor uh, toward man, be it for salvation or for life, his favor upon us, his blessing upon us. There's grace in every situation. You need, you need work grace. There is, there is drama at work and there's problems at work and you need to have grace as you go into the workplace. It's funny, I teach a grade three and four class on Wednesday night and I will say to my three and four, that age nine, ten, I'll say, now you know there's no drama at your school. And they all begin to laugh. They know there, there's grade three, four drama. <laughs> there is. I mean, there's, there's drama at your work. There's drama in the grade three, four class. There's teenage drama. And, and hey, you know, there's kindergarten drama, right? There's drama everywhere. And you need grace for work, the workplace that you go to. There's home grace. You need some grace at home. You need grace with your spouse. Tom and Amanda, you need grace with your kids. We all need grace as we raise our kids in the things of the Lord. We need home grace. We need work grace. You even need some church grace once in a while. Church people are people. And someone's going to rub you the wrong way sometime. And you're going to disagree about things in church. But guess what? There's church grace to cover that. So you need work grace. You need home grace. You need church grace. You need living grace for everyday life. And they talk about having dying grace. That when that time comes, being able to die, right? So there's living grace. There's dying grace. I, I thank the Lord that there's saving grace. There's a, a little 11-year-old boy that needed Jesus Christ, and God reached down and saved the little 11-year-old boy back in Cleveland, Ohio, a long time ago. He showed a favor upon a little boy 
who just reached out by faith, and for by grace are we saved through faith. And so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God extends his grace to you, and he gives you so much more than you deserve. That's saving grace, and that saving grace that was available is available today for all. Because the Bible says that the grace of God hath appeared to all men, to all men. So today, saving grace is available for you. And there's sanctifying grace whereby we can learn and grow and get through situations and problems. Grace that helps us with discouragement when things are bad. And there's grace that helps us with pride when things are really good. Either way, if your life is like a mountaintop, you need grace to keep from getting proud. And if you're, if you're in, a, in a down, difficult time, you need grace to get through that. God's grace is everywhere in all things, and we need the grace of God. So the question is today, how can you be and how can I be a grace dispenser? Well, let's look at a few things. First of all, I want you to see the place of grace. There is a place of grace. Let's look at our verse again, verse number 10. As every man that hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God is the source of grace. You don't have to manufacture your own grace. God is the source of that grace. We are only stewards of that grace. We take the grace that God gives us and we use it. The Bible uses the word here, minister, to serve. And we are stewards. We are not the owner. We're the manager of the grace. And so uh, that's what the word steward means, a household manager. And so we're managing the grace. God is the source. So before we can dispense the grace, we must get the grace, right? Right? You can't manufacture it. You could go to work and you can try to figure out and you can read books about how to you know, be nice to people and how to handle people and that's all great and good. But what you need in work is God's grace to dispense. And what you need at home is God's grace to dispense. And what you need in your everyday life is God's grace. It only comes from him. He is the source and you are the steward of God's grace. I won't have you turn there, but Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. I think we have that verse next there. Can you pop that up? Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace. He even calls his throne the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's the grace we need. Come boldly to the throne of grace. That's what he calls it. So the place of grace is the throne of grace. That's where we get the grace. You want grace to give out at work? You want grace to give out uh, at home? You've got to go to the throne of grace. That's the place that you get it. It's interesting, that, that verse. I've always looked at that verse as a consumer. I need grace. And I, I would pray often in, in my home or at work and say, Lord, I need some grace here because I'm having a hard time with this situation. I need your grace. Your word says that I should come boldly to your throne of grace, that I can get the mercy that I need and get the grace that I need to help in time of need. The word help there is an interesting word. You know, the Bible was, the New Testament was written in, in the Greek language. And so when God chose words to put in the Bible, he chose different words. There are all kinds of words for the word help. And the word that God chose here, when he talks about his throne of grace, is only used two times in the Bible. It's an interesting word. The other time it's used more, more uh, this is used more like a picture, and the other times it's used more like in real life. It was the undergirding of a ship. 
It was the rope or the chain that went under a ship that would hold the ship together in a time of storm, in a time of rocks, in a time of travel. The, the undergirding, it, it, using the book of Acts, it, says, it even calls it the helps, the helps of the ship. What God's, listen, God says, go to my throne of grace and I'll give you what you need so that you don't fall apart when the storm comes. The storm's going to come in your life, and you're gonna, there's going to be trials. And, and when everybody else at work is pulling their hair out and, and they don't know what to do, guess what you got? You got grace to help. That's gonna, you're going to be the guy that can you can walk into the middle of a situation and have a, a supernatural grace that allows you to handle that situation different than anybody else. Not because of you, just because you're stewarding the grace of God. It's what helps in time of need. The word need there means like it's right on time. It's just, when you need it, it's there. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace will help you. But you've got to go to the throne of grace to get it. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about daily, uh, as a, as a, and not as a consumer. I want you to think of it not as a consumer, but as a distributor, a dispenser. A distributor is the person between the producer and the consumer. All right, and so I, I drive a Chevy Equinox. When I went to when I wanted to go buy a Chevy Equinox, I did not go to the, the plant down the road and say, "I'll take that one off the off the line right there." I didn't do that. I went to a dealer. I went to a distributor. I went to a dispenser. I went to the person between the producer and the, me, the consumer. Right? Makes sense. So I want you to think of this verse of going to the throne of grace not as a consumer but as a distributor. You, you go to the throne of grace to get the grace that you need to get you through your troubles and trials, but you get enough so you can dispense it somewhere else. And you're, you're distributing to other people and the people at work that need it. There are, there are people in your workplace, there are people in your neighborhood that don't know Jesus Christ. And when the storms come, they don't have that help. They don't have that undergirding. They don't have the Holy Spirit holding them together. And they're falling apart all around us. And you have access to grace. You're the dispenser. You're the distributor. And so God's the producer. God's the manufacturer. And he just keeps producing grace and giving grace and giving grace. And giving. And he started it back in the Garden of Eden thousands and thousands of years ago. And he's still giving out grace today. And today you can go, you can come to this altar, you can go home and pray. And you can, anywhere at work, at, at, at lunch break or, or, or at a coffee break, you can pray and get some more grace to give out. And get some more grace to give out and get some more grace to give out. You have got to go to the place of grace. So the picture is this. We regularly run to the throne of grace. God gives you his grace, and you go out and give it out. God, I need some grace today for my kids. You know, my kids aren't doing what they're supposed to do, Lord, and I don't know how to help them, but I know you do. And I want some grace as I, as I go to, to deal with my kids today, Lord, and I want to distribute my grace to my kids. And my spouse needs some grace today, Lord, and I'm just here today, not only on my behalf, because I need your grace too, but I need some grace to give out. So I'm going to go and going to give that to my, to my wife or my spouse, and I need some grace to the people at work. Man, this lady's going through a hard time. I don't really know how to help her, but you do, and I need some grace, and I'm going to go, I'm going to give that out to her, and I need some grace in this situation. Man, at the, the, the work and at school, and you teenagers that go to school, you know there, there's drama at St. Joe's, and there's drama at, at Central, and there's drama, there's places that you need, and you, you can go get some grace from God and say, I'm going to go try to be the person that can be the adult in the room and say, not because I'm anything special, because I know the God who produces the grace, I can give out the grace. So we just get some more grace from God and we just go out and spread that out. But listen to me, folks. If you try to be gracious all the time and you try to spread God's grace, and you never go back here to the throne of grace, 
your dispenser is going to empty pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, you're going you're to come up and you're going to try to give out grace. You're going to try to give out grace and then you're going to snap. Just like we do sometimes with our kids and our spouse. And it's not good. But maybe if we went to the throne of grace a little more often, we'd have a little more grace to give out. Right? So we, we think about what happens here is important. No, no, what happens here is important because what happens here affects what happens here. Right? And so it's all about getting to the place of grace and getting grace from the God who's producing it and then, then being able to go into a situation and say, hey, I got, the, I got, I got some grace. I'm just gonna, I, I can hold things together. I, I'm not going to lose my mind when everybody else is losing their mind around here because I got grace. I got, I got God. I got the Holy Spirit. And we are not to produce it. We're just to distribute. But we have to get back to the place of grace. Let me show you quickly here the practice of grace. So once you receive the grace, how does that play out in your everyday life? All right, so let's say today you say, hey, I get it. I need to go to the place of grace. It's just not for me. I'm not just a consumer. I'm a distributor. I get it, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to go to school. I'm excited to talk to my family and my relatives and my neighborhood. I'm excited about that. I'm going to get some grace from God. I want to distribute it. How does that play out every day? Well, let's see what the Bible says. It's the manifold grace of God. And so there's a vast variety of ways that we can show grace to people. Uh, obviously, we're not going to talk about all those. We'll stay here in 1 Peter chapter 4 just to look at a few things. How can we distribute the grace of God? Look at verse number 3. We're going to back up here in the chapter and read up a few things. How can we be distributors of the grace, the practice of grace? Verse 3, for the time past of our life, many suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable behavior, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Talking about our former lifestyle. And so I would say today, we can, be, we can practice grace by being different. Say, this is how the, 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 everybody else, I mean, they're, they're Gentiles, they're not saved, they don't know Jesus Christ, they don't have a place of grace to go to. And so this is the lifestyle they live, and if you want to practice grace, all you got to do is just be different. If everybody else is, is, is backbiting, and the, and the talk around the water cooler is critical of the boss, and it's bad, and it's negative, you be different. I mean, it talks about other things. We're not talking about all those things, but here's some things that we ought to be different in, like in how we handle you know, excess of banquetings, all those riot, all those kind of things. But I'm just, just, just for the sake of time, it's the grace of God allows you to handle life differently. You can stay together when other people are falling apart. I've heard that of Christians before. I've, heard, I've, I've seen Christians in the hospital handle things in a way, and I've heard nurses and doctors say, I don't know how they do that. How do they handle that? You know what it is? It's the grace of God, like a rope or a chain, holding them out from the bottom up, and they're able to handle things differently. And you can be that person at work. And you can be that person at school. You can be that person in your family. Maybe you have like so much family drama. I, I know some of you have so much family drama. Like this person doesn't like this person. This person is like that. And, 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 you, know, you know how it is. And, and I'm so thankful that I have you know, uh, my immediate family. We all get along. And like, we can all be in the same room together and have a good time. And I'm thankful for that. But some of you don't have that situation. In that situation, what you need is some grace to distribute. And you need to just remember that in that situation, be different. 
Now, verse number four tells you that may, the, the first reaction may be that they're going to speak evil of you. Oh, yeah, that person. They're, they're, they used to. Now they don't. You know, and, now, and there's an evil speaking, but yet they'll respect you in the end. Just be, diff- be who God made you. God made you. God created you. And God saved you. Now you're different. You have the grace of God, so be different. You can, you can act when others react because you have the grace of God. This is, no, I'm not going to react to the situation. I'm going to act on what God says. The word, the word of God says to do this. This is what I'm going to do. You distribute grace in every situation. Uh, Titus 2 tells us that it's the grace of God that teaches us that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. The grace of God allows you to live soberly, righteously, and godly when you're surrounded by everything else. doesn't matter. That's the grace of God. You got that. You have all, the ac- you have all access to the grace of God. Go to the throne of grace and then go to work and be different. Go to the throne of grace, teenager, and go to the school and be different. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to get up on the lunch table at, you know, at noon and preach the gospel. You just handle things differently. When all the drama's going around, you're not involved in that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. You can do that, not because you're anything special, but because you have grace. You have God. So learn how to handle things differently. Be different. Look at verse number 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore what? Be ye therefore sober, and watch and pray. How do you show grace by being sober? That means being wise, being moderate. Don't fly off the handle one way or another. We ought to be the people that can handle the situation and not fly off the handle. We're, we have grace. This is how we show it by being that stabilizing factor in an unstable situation. Be sober. Look at verse number eight. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We talked today in our class, one of our young people brought up that it, almost every discussion we have sometimes leads back to love. <laughs> because God is love. And by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. And so love is that, that characteristic that we just keep coming back to and keep coming back to. And here's how, how do you show grace by being loving it says fervent or intense love allows you to pass over faults. It allows you to put up with things. Oh, I just can't deal with that. Well, I can. <laughs> well, how can you deal with that? Well, I got grace that allows me to act loving toward that person. And we talked in our class, love and acceptance are two different things. You can love somebody without accepting how they're behaving. You can still love them. And that's what we need. That's, that's what Jesus did when the lady taking adultery was brought to him. He didn't accept her behavior, but he loved her. And he's our example. Live that out every day, you'll be okay. Right? Really, if you can learn to love people, even though you disagree with them, you'll be a better, you'll be more like Jesus Christ. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll show more grace and you'll make a difference more than you would if you. Try to preach a message and then don't live it. You're doing more harm to the cause of Christ than you are good. I'm not saying you shouldn't preach it. I'm saying we ought to preach it. I'm saying we ought to live it first. The love of God, the fervent love that comes through, it covers the multitude. It allows you to do the right thing. It allows you to say the right thing at the right time. Listen to what Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says. Let your speech 
be always with grace. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. See, it's God's grace that allows you to answer the right thing in the right way. It's God's grace that allows you to say the right thing at the right time. And so as you go to the throne of grace and you go to the place of grace and you get that grace and you come here, how are you going to distribute? Well, here's several examples. Distribute it by just being different. Distribute it by being loving. And distribute it by being sober and being stable in unstable situations. Look at verse number 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. How do you show grace by being hospitable? <laughs> just, just hospitable. The, 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 the word here is a, it's a compound word. It means to be fond of strangers <laughs> or guests. To be nice to people that you don't even know. And if we're all to be nice to people we don't know, I think we ought to be nice to people we do know. Right? Come on, right? And so we just be kind to people and just be, be that person at work who, that person's just always nice. He's too nice. That ought to be you. Well, that's not my personality. Well, get closer to your father and learn his personality and then be kind. Because he's kind to you. He loves you. I'm so tired that you that's just not my personality. That's just not how God made me. Yeah, God made us all as in his image, we're all broken. And so don't celebrate the broken part of your personality. Right? We all, I have a broken part of my personality. Do you want me to celebrate that? I'm so glad I'm a jerk. You know, like, I mean, like, like, learn, get close to God, get his personality, and then go and, and be like him. Kind, loving, not accepting. Of, we're, we're not to be accepting of sin. We all always be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. But we always do it with grace. A season of salt, the Bible says. I love the word, the wording of the Bible. Seasoned with salt. Just make it taste a little better. Right? That, that's, I mean, we can go on and on about how we practice grace. I'm just looking here in the passage. Here's four things. To be different, to be sober, to be loving, to be hospitable. Last thing I want to share with you as we close. The purpose of grace. Why is this a big deal? Like, why, why, why preach a message? Why have a, what's the big fuss about all this grace and taking grace and getting grace and giving grace. What's the big deal? Well, look at verse 10 again. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now look on to verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. That God, Listen now. That God, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. The purpose of grace, bottom line, we, dispense, we get grace and dispense grace so he can be glorified. It's all about him. Now, get this. In uh, the word gift there is used in verse number 10. As every man received the gift. Now, the, the word gift, you know, and you don't even know this, but you know the Greek word for the word gift there. You, you know it. It, sometimes words in one language is moved over to another language, and so you know the word that's there. It's a word that we don't use a lot, but you would know exactly. The word there is the word charisma. That's the Greek word, charisma. You say, oh, that person's got charisma. Like, when you think of that, that person has charisma, you're thinking, that guy has a quality that draws people. 
right? He's, he's just got something about it. He's got a charisma. And God says we receive gift from God, and then we take that gift and we dispense his grace through our gift. That's charisma. In fact, the word grace in the Bible and the word gift in the Bible are both in the same root word. Both in the same root word. They're, they're, they're intertwined with each other. And so what I want you to think of is taking God's, you go to the throne, get God's grace. God's given you a gift. You may say, I don't have charisma. According to the Bible, you do. You have a gift, <laughs> all right? And so all of us have a, the ability, the charisma, to take God's gift and let it live out through our, God's grace through our gift. Whatever your gift, your gift is different than I am. But it doesn't matter. You just be you and I just be me. But all of it is God's grace filtering through our gift. That's what it is. And those two words are connected. Grace and gift. Same root. And so we take his grace and we distribute it through our gift. Be who God made you to be using God's grace. So here's the bottom line. We get grace to give grace for his glory. That's it. That's a that's a grace dispenser. Every time there's another candy, they're shooting out. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there. Every time there's just a little more grace. It's a little more grace. That guy is grace, gracious. That guy handles himself. I, something, there's something about that guy. I can't explain why. Well, they don't have, what they don't know is that every day and, and multiple times a day, you're heading to the throne of grace saying, God, I'm, I'm almost out here. I'm, I'm about ready to snap and lose it. I need some more of your grace if I'm going to go back in that situation. And the place of grace is always open. And there's unlimited supply. And all you got to do is distribute it. Just get out of the way and use your personality that God gave you, your gift, and give it to those around you. And in so doing, it says that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. We are here today to give praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Nothing to do with me, nothing to do with you. It's all about him. As God's grace is flowing through, we're just a vessel, just a vessel. Recently, I was listening to an interview with an author, and he made this statement. He said, everyone changes the temperature of a room when they enter it. Think about that. Every person changes the temperature of the room when they enter it, some for good, and some for bad, but everybody changes the temperature of a room when they enter it. So your presence in any situation does make a difference. If there's a problem at work, your presence there makes a difference. It can make, if you have God's grace, it'll make a good difference. If you haven't gone to the place of grace, it may make a bad difference. If you start living out your uh, personality that, that, that's been broken by sin, and you start living that out, and you start doing what you want to do, not what God wants you to do, you're going to make a mess of things. And, and, and in that home situation when there's a little bit of friction with a family or with the kids or whatever, and if you start living in your own power, in your own flesh, in your own strength, not having gone to the place of grace, you'll make a mess of things. But don't you want to be the person that when they walk into the room, things just get a little bit better? And it's not because you have charisma like the world talks about, but because you have charisma the grace, the gift of the grace of God being lived out in your life. And because of that, it's just 
different when you walk into the room. As Christians, we are to be grace dispensers so that we can have a positive influence in every situation. Today, we talked about the grace of God. It's the grace of God that saves. God did not give us what we deserved. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What you deserve, death, separation from God because of sin. What you can have, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. How you get that? Oh, it's by faith. By grace are we saved through faith. When you turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone and ask him to save you, God bestows upon you the grace of salvation. Once you've done that, that's always taken care of. You've asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. I'm so glad of that. If you haven't, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. It's open. It's open to all men. It's open to you today. It's grace. And if you have, I want to challenge you to make a habit of going to the place of grace so you can practice grace so in the end God's glorified. Go get some grace. Give some grace and let God be glorified in your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please?